When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart, as he usually is. Round drive, scoop layup, off the glass. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in Megan White Welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Alongside me, Derek White, aficionado, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how's it going, man? Pedro, I'm good. The the waves have been surfed. The Al Horford propaganda has been produced. We're getting ready to take a flight. Um, life's good. How's it going? Love it, man. I'm great. I'm great. Never been better. Feeling <laughs> feeling amazing. <laughs> I did I did go out with a buddy last night that I haven't seen in a long time. So a little, little busted up today, but we're going to get through it just like the Celtics got through it uh, on demand yeah. yesterday. Ben, ben flu game. But yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a flu game. You're going to hopefully Scotty Pippen me over to the bench there during yes. a timeout. Um, look, the Celtics, nine and two, first seed in the East. They've won four in a row, most recently last night in Philly, where some poorly educated Sixers fans mm. shit talked Al Horford into a vintage Al Horford performance against Joel Embiid. Jake, what stood out to you with this one? How have they not learned yet? I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't understand. I, I did see that Dave Portnoy um, was at the game with Patrick Beverly's co-host on the podcast and um, <laughs> kind of shit-talking him courtside. And okay. I have I, I have a feeling that the person shit-talking Al Horford was Patrick Beverly's co-host. So thank you to whatever that guy's name is. Um, Patrick Beverly, I think over four, you're just basically invisible, which <laughs> makes me very... Very happy. Um, you can give, I think the, the game ball goes to one or two guys, but um, it's either Derek, who I had a beautiful time with yesterday evening. I'm um, glad it all went well, Jake. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Um, he Look, he really enjoyed his um, 36 hours away from, uh, not that he doesn't love his new child, but you know, good nights, a couple good nights sleep. Um, yeah, he, and he's he's feeling good before he, he heads up to Toronto. But, um, but really, he was the big dog, the OG. We got vintage Al Horford. Some might say you got this version of Al Horford. In this kind of atmosphere. Playoff Al, baby! Playoff Al! Yes, big game Al. Playoff Al. I love it, man. Dude, (laughs) I I can't get over how high Jason Tatum's voice is in in that one. He was a boy. He he was a boy, but he wasn't that young. Like 19, jeez, like, like, was my voice that that high when I was 19? Probably. Pro- pro- probably. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, the big dog, vintage Horford. Um, we kind of spoke about in the last episode, you know, will we see, you know, Al Horford ramp it up with Porzingis questionable? Um, and boy, did we take the the big dog out for a ride yesterday. He, um, he was awesome. I don't know how he got all of that done in 28 minutes when I went and looked at the box score. Is that all he played? That, yeah, 28, 28 minutes and 49 seconds with Luke Cornett playing the other 19 and a half minutes. Um, 
14 points, 5 or 9 from the field, 4 or 8 from 3, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 blocks, held Embiid to 20 points, 42 possessions, Al Horford was the uh, primary defender on Embiid, 14 points, 7 for 14 shooting, just all around absolute dominating performance from the 37-year-old. And he gave okay. us this vintage moment, which is going to go down in, in Celtics law as well. Celtics moving it, Al Horford sticking it, Al Horford letting them know. <laughs> the kiss. The kiss. <laughs> the kiss of death. Uh, so, so good. Well played, Al Horford. Well yep. played. Just uh, expertly executed performance against Joel Embiid. And, um, <laughs> you know, it just he probably you could say fairly that he's given us some reason so far this season to, I don't know if doubt's the right word, but maybe not have as high expectations as to what mm. the, the peak of his performance might be in a game where it's desperately needed. And, like, he's out there hitting, hitting threes like he's had no trouble with that all season. He's locking down Joel Embiid. He's, he's switching. He's anchoring the defense there, playing drop, just doing everything perfectly. Yeah, he missed a couple of shots, but um, oh, really very few. Four away from three. I yeah. Mean, barely. Just very few poor moments uh, in this game and plenty of good ones for Al Horford. So, um, hopefully that sort of like spurs him on a little bit I guess Jake as far as like I think he has it's fair to say that he's had some trouble finding his footing in his adjusted role this season so yeah. uh, nothing uh, better than to spur him on than an uh, amazing performance against oh, the Sixers yeah. here yeah I know and I think you know it was I'm not sure if it was last episode but you know you brought up that um, you know Al Horford wasn't necessarily quote thrilled with the with the new role and, and it was hard for us to imagine um, what that looks like for Al Horford like He's never going to be the bad, the bad teammate. And mm-hmm. Al Horford's way of like showing that he's mad is been just playing his role off the bench as as well as he knows. He's like, I'm gonna rebound like I've never rebounded before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hustle like I've never hustled before. But you kind of understand where he's coming from when he has a performance like this. It's like, yeah, man, I'm Al Horford. I can still come out here and give one of the best teams in the league. The business, Eastern Conference rival, the business, number one seed, the business. And so, like, you get why, like, he he was a little, maybe not thrilled, but, like, this is why, you know, this is who he is. He is the fierce competitor that Philly brings it out in him, man. It's incredible. Oh, dude, it's so good. I feel like we should hold up big cardboard signs or pictures of Joel Embiid's face, like, behind the hoop, uh, you know, when... when- Horford is shooting the ball or uh, is out there on offense because uh, clearly just the the vision of Embiid somewhere in his peripheral uh, helps him perform at a high level. So um, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm available Celtics coaching staff if you need that level of expertise um, from a consultancy <laughs> standpoint at any point. DJ Daniel, which I'm determined to say correctly on this show, uh, in the chat, if you get this owl once a week during the playoffs, start the duck boats. Um, absolutely. Shout out to everyone in the chat. And uh, if you're here for the first time, you're not subscribed to the First of the Floor YouTube channel, please subscribe. Help us with the algorithm. It's a competitive podcast circuit out there with the NBA and the Celtics. So uh, do what you can to help us navigate the algorithm. Obviously, like the stream as well, which helps put this show in front of more people. Derek White, speaking Mm. of performing in front of people, which is a poor (laughs) attempt at a segue, Jake. 27-3-5, a steal, just two turnovers in this game. 
well and truly back, I would say, after a small dip in productivity after the birth of his child, Hendrix. Yeah, no no performance anxiety from the Daxter, mistress. Sorry, not Hendrix. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Hendrix, Hendrix was, uh, was child number one. What, what is, what's the second child's name? I think name? it's Dax, Daxton, I think. Daxton? Yeah. I can't say it's a name that I've come across very often. But, oh, um, first time yeah. for everything? Yeah, I love it. I love it. D-Wide, man. Um, the fourth quarter, 14 points in the fourth quarter, 27-3-5, one steal. The zero turnovers in the fourth quarter, just orchestrating. And this guy, like, I feel like he's getting um, getting sick of it. Like, I saw one of his quotes being like, and you know, like I always say, just just make the right play. Um, but that's just kind of what he did every time. It's like, wh- what's the right play? It's be aggressive, get downhill, take floaters against Joel Embiid in the drop. Um, next play down, you know, Paul, or Paul Reed steps up in the drop. And then he just waits the perfect second to drop it off to Luke Cornett. Um, when the Sixers made their run, they finally go up by one after being down like the whole game. What does Derek White do? The Celtics move the ball. Al Horford finds Derek White, top of the key. Big silencing three to put the Celtics back up to with about like eight, nine minutes to go as the Sixers felt like they were kind of like finally making their run um, mm-hmm. against the shorthanded Celtics. But D.Y. just made three plays in a row and built back like a five point Celtics lead. He, it was great to see him back because he's, he's been so good and he has struggled offensively the last few games, but to see him find his footing and do it in like a really big moment like this, it like, I, I always, I'm always like of all the guys is um, like, I don't know, shooting or, or anything that they're doing to kind of like come back to earth. Derek White's shooting is like one of the things that I'm like, I wonder if that's one of the, something that, that kind of comes back down to earth because everyone else is kind of doing what they've done before. Uh, Horford's been a pretty good shooter for most of his career, especially with the Celtics. Like Tatum's actually due for some positive shooting regression. Um, Derek White kind of had an outlier shooting season last year. Obviously, a lot of it was accredited to his, like changing his actual shot a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm in the back of my mind, like him having like three games where he doesn't make shots. I'm like, Oh, is this like the beginning of the regression? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I think that's just more just fan, fan anxiety brain, like making stuff up, and like it feels pretty <laughs> very familiar pre- with that. Yeah, <laughs> it feels pretty <laughs> sticky at this point. Yeah, it's sticky. It's stuck. He, well, I mean, we observed him changing his shooting form over the last, you know, half a season or so yep. as well. So I, I think while maybe some shooting regression could be logically expected, um, it, it could be difficult to to pinpoint exactly what that might look like, given that he has made you know vast improvements to his shooting mechanics as well. So hopefully, like you said, it's stuck uh, or it's sticking <laughs> around for a little while. Yeah, the, he had such a element of stability to the team and. You know, in quarters like that second quarter where we had kind of lost those initial Joel Embiid to the bench minutes there where, um, and yes, it was Embiid to the bench and Cornette out to the court, which we want desperately to Look, be a really amazing thing, but it isn't yep. always. Uh, we, we lost those minutes and, you know, last year that would have been nails in the coffin for the Celtics mm-hmm. as far as their prospects to win a game. And we've got this level of stability, which Derek White, I think might be the top contributor to just in how solid he is when the shot's not going down. Like you said, Jake, he's still so present defensively. That that stability is helping us survive these these moments that are fortunately happening mostly in the second quarter, it seems, for um, 
you know, a few games in a row now uh, and we're able to survive those those outages and come back and win the game like we did in this one. So um, stability might be one of those oh. thematic themes, Jake, that we refer to um, throughout the season. Stabilizer. Yeah. You know, I know we make the odd cricket reference here. He's like an opener. He's one of the two. Mm-hmm. He just has to get out there, get through a bunch of overs. And get the shine the- off the ball. Exactly. Get the shine off the ball <laughs> and just stay out there. But But really, he can play any role, which is why... I love Derek White. It's like he mm-hmm. can give you the 27, 3 and 5. But, you know, against Toronto, he, he might just have six shots and have two steals and a block. Um, yeah, interestingly, like I had something I picked up post-game uh, yesterday from the Sixers side is that, interestingly, the it has been less about the non-Embiid minutes this season and more about the non-Maxi minutes this season. Mm. Like the, they've actually struggled way more on the non-Maxi minutes and the non-Embiid minutes, which is um, very interesting. Uh Something to track and see how Sixers kind of deal with that issue. But yeah, man, Derek White's ability to give the game what it needs from quarter to quarter, um, you know, low turnover. He's going to get you into some good offense. Um, he, can, he can bail. Man, how many times has he been able to bail the Celtics out with like late shot clock pull-ups now or getting down here? Like he's able to like really create a relatively quality look like late in the shot clock. Yeah, he's really grown to exceed the value of his contract. Uh, oh just that gosh. that trade is like looking like an old timer from from Brad yeah. Stevens there, that acquisition from the Spurs. So um, yeah, keep it up, keep it up, Derek. Now, keep it up, uh, Derek. <laughs> Jason Tatum, we've got to give some kudos to as well, who came alive again in the fourth quarter. It was fairly solid all game, but we were talking in the in the playback stream there on the playback watch party, Jake, that we were worried <laughs> just like the. Sixers game a week ago that he wasn't asserting himself uh, the way that he needed to, especially with the notable absences uh, from the team with Jalen and Porzingis out. Um, but Tatum really, really came alive in the fourth there. I do want to call out the fact that uh, he is the Inked NBA MVP, according oh. to Inked NBA on Instagram, who focus okay. on, um, I guess, body art and tattoos of NBA players. They nominated him MVP. So that oh. bodes well for okay. potential future MVP awards, I think. I, but I like um, that. He does have some, like, as someone that has zero tattoos and is someone that's not especially cool, um, <laughs> he he's he is the type of guy who's going to be the MVP of Inked. Like, he's just aura, I believe, is kind of the word going around NBA Twitter mm-hmm. these days. Like, he, he definitely has, like, that just the cool, calm, collected, you know, he's into, he's got the fits, he's got the ink. He's kind of just embodying just... Just coming into the coming into town, whether it's in the garden or on the road, and just dominating on and off. The court. Just a cool guy, just a cool guy yeah. all around. Uh, certainly nice. a, a cool guy. <laughs> it must be nice. I can only imagine. Uh, fourth quarter uh, last night, his passing really came alive, Jake, and he it looked like he was picking yeah. apart the the Celtics, the Sixers defense rather, um, with his passing and setting guys up. And that uh, three man tandem of of White, Derek White. Al Horford and Tatum um, really just like shut anything down from the Sixers side late in the game. What were your thoughts from from Tatum's performance in this one? Yeah, I, I think it, kind of uneven until the fourth quarter, and he had two just he had three turnovers for the game, which is not like it's not a good number, but you know you can kind of live with three turnovers when he's got that kind of high high of usage. But two of them were just like live turnover, not paying attention, and threw the ball at Jaden Springer, which was. Mm-hmm. Just can't have that. But Odd. sorry, excuse me, as I try and get down this smoothie while I podcast before I uh, get on the plane. Um, <laughs> but the fourth quarter, 
10 points in the fourth quarter. And I, had, I was looking this up yesterday. So now fourth quarter scoring, I know it was kind of a bit of a talking point in the Heat series. And I know there feels like there's this narrative that Tatum doesn't perform in the fourth quarter when I don't feel like that's true. But this year, he is sixth in the NBA in fourth quarter scoring with um, 8.9 points per game. Um, so that's sixth in the league, but the ranks second through fifth on that list, all averaging 9.0 points. So he's 0.1 points away from being tied second um, on that list. And you have to take into account that he's actually not played in, what, four fourth quarters? Mm-hmm. So like that's that's taking into account Sure. You know, not playing those. So, like, he would easily be um, in the one, two, three slot if he was actually playing these games. But then he's on a 67.2% true shooting in the fourth quarter with 8.9 <laughs> points. Like, that is absurd. And I, I think I think a lot of that has to do with his process. Um, like, yesterday we saw it again, like, the mismatch hunting. Um, and even if they don't get the mismatch, comfortable posting up to Tobias Harris. I don't even think – I'm not sure if that was even in the fourth quarter, but he took Tobias Harris – in the post, who's like, in theory, the same size as Tatum or bigger, and Tatum was like moving him easily. But yeah. So going, yeah, going to that spot and posting up, going to that fadeaway, drawing fouls on Melton with the pump fake, um, or kicking it out and finding guys, as you said. Yeah, that turnaround fadeaway shot, sort of Kobe mm. MJ style, is like he's hitting that at such a reliable clip. And you mentioned it with Tobias Harris, like he was nothing but a warm body out there, it seemed defensively. It did not trouble Tatum at all. And with Tatum's length, that's a shot he's always going to be able to get off. He's always going to be able to get, a, if that's now considered a clean look. And I think if you look at the numbers, like you just put out there, Jake, like it, yep. it is a clean look for him. That's another curveball. We were cataloging the curveballs as we picked them up so far this season with Joe having mentioned it as a, a point of emphasis going into the season. And that's a huge curveball. Uh, and you love to see it. It's, it's something that he can go to at any point of the game against, you know, presumably any opponent as well. So yeah, it does it. feel like he's, you know, he's going to it at times when some other stuff isn't working, which is uh-huh. the whole point of the curveball, yeah. right? It's like, you know, he felt, you know, if, if, if the pull up three wasn't working or he was having issues getting to the rim with a shot blocker, um, Sometimes it was like, oh, where does he go from here? And to have this new weapon absolutely changes how consistent he can be. And, you know, that's why his efficiency so far this year, I think, is is up. Um, obviously, you know, he's shooting better from three. And I think part of that he's, is he doesn't have to rely on just the pull-up three. He can go to the mid-post, which helps him. You know how they always say, you know, oh, get yourself to the line, knock down a free throw. I think this is similar in that you get yourself a bit closer to the rim, you get yourself a different type of look, you're in the flow, you're using your physicality. Um, And so far, it really does seem to be like he knocks one of those down and similar to the Knicks game. And then all of a sudden he hits two pull-up dagger threes or a catch and uh, and shoot three um, that's like the nail in the coffin. Yeah, just the the rhythm of his game and the pacing of his game. It's so much more mature and well Mm. orchestrated. it's great. I don't know. I could just talk all day about Jason Tatum, but we do need to, to move on for the sake of time. The stock exchange, I guess, mm. let's frame it this way. We talked about the non-Maxi minutes being a problem for the Sixers so far this season, which is to say that Maxi's been incredibly good. And we're very fortunate with that with the stock exchange. We've got a lot of defensive fi- firepower to throw at him. What did you see in terms of that matchup in this game against the Sixers? Man, this is a this is a tough matchup for Maxi. Um, as 
as good as he has been, he he just is he's smaller. You can be a bit physical with him, and that's why one of them wanted to see going to this game was just be physical, kind of get up into Maxi pick, get your pickup point a little bit higher. And we saw that a lot. Uh, so Drew Holiday guarded Maxi on twenty seven possessions, gave up four points, two or three shooting. So like if you know if someone was you know a propagandist on the Sixers side, they would say. You know, Maxi shot 66% when guarded by Drew Holiday. The real numbers would be like, well, he was only able to actually get a shot off four out of those 27 um, uh, or three out of those 27 yeah. Yeah, uh, possessions. And then D. White, 18 possessions, five points on one of two shooting. Um, that is just... <laughs> it's not going to get it done. Not going to get it done. <laughs> and I have in the notes to pull up a Maxi tweet here, which I've forgotten to upload, but basically the... The tweet, the the stat is like Maxi on the season is shooting like between forty eight and forty nine percent from the field, and in two games against the Celtics, he's shooting thirty eight point one percent. Right. This is a really this is a really difficult matchup for the Sixers, and I think um, James Harden, for all his faults, um, did give them another. And obviously, they were missing Ubre and they were missing Batum, who did give them elements that they didn't have yesterday. But you know, obviously, the Celtics were missing Jalen Brown and, and Kristaps Porzingis. Um, but with with James Harden, they had another truly like dynamic ball handler who could shoot, pass, and score. Without him, it really is only Maxi and Embiid. And so you can you can kind of just let D White and let True Holiday just be like, that's the assignment. You if you if you shut Maxi down, the 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 offense is really going to struggle, especially when the Celtics are able to make Embiid uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, with the stock exchange on the offensive side of things, I thought Drew really carried this team in the first half with his production offensively. You know, talking about curveballs, that that post-up continues to be a Mm -hmm. factor from Drew offensively where we can get an easy look against a smaller guard, a guard who we might say is light in the ass uh, with the case of Maxi. Drew just being able to, to carry the load and Again, we'll use that word, add stability to the team while Tatum's kind of figuring out the rhythm of the game uh, is a really important factor and it's going to be huge in the playoffs, man, just to, to have yeah. that kind of look when the game slows down in the half court. Um, I'd lo- I can't wait to see it against Dame Lillard, who yes. is a little bit of a chunkier guy than uh, than Maxi, but I think that oh. that's going to be a, a good yeah. exploit for, for Drew there. So, shouts to Drew for helping us through um, a difficult-ish uh, first half. Yeah, man, six for 12 from the field in the first half, five boards, assist, a steal. Yeah, again, similar to Tatum in that, like, if things aren't going well, it's like, where is Maxi or even Melton, who is a good defender? Um, Drew, the stump, the tree trunk, man. Tree like, this, yeah. this dude is, <laughs> is tough. Like, he is so strong and so stout. Um, again, not something that I can relate to really at all. But, um, you know, <laughs> he, right. he, he really, he really knows how to use his, dimensions to to his advantage and put guys under the basket and create easy looks. And, you know, when, when, again, like in a game like this, where you just need to, you need to find offense. Like the offense isn't going to be as clean as it would be on a night when you don't have Porzingis and Jalen to have a guy. Yeah. And when you get to the playoffs, man, like to have Drew Tatum, all these guys that can, that can take advantage of mismatches really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's and and something that I noticed in the fourth quarter as well is that teams just really respect his shooting gravity. Like he he was teams are less willing to leave him open than they were willing to leave Marcus open. Sure, and you know for for good reason. And um, 
that's kind of just opening the floor up a little bit in, in those crunch time moments as well. I feel a lot of personal guilt for like getting over the loss of Marcus so soon. Do you feel the same way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> when I, when I noticed the spacing yesterday with like kind of, I forget who was guarding him. Um, and then they, and then they doubled him in the corner too. It's just mm-hmm. like, that's like Marcus isn't really getting double teamed ever. So like for the, for him to draw that level of attention and for him to make this an easy pass, he was back out to the top of the key and then back to Pritchard who ended up actually throwing it back to Drew for the, for the corner three. Cause they scrambled off of Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick nurse, what are you doing mate? But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, the, the offensive, like not even his ability, but like the respect, which obviously comes from his ability that the other opposing defenses show him that just opens up the floor in a way that, Marcus unfortunately did not. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tough. I I was just searching for an analogy. I was almost going to say it's like when you get out of a relationship and you and you realize only <laughs> afterwards in hindsight that it was actually a toxic one. But that obviously wasn't the case with Marcus. It's it's much more nuanced than that. So uh, yes, we'll, we'll work on it and come back with something with the next podcast. Now we are <laughs> going to talk about the rest of the roster. The bench uh, were pretty integral during certain stages of this game. But first, as I fumble for the button here, we just want a quick word from our sponsor, FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL. NFL season. Vangel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.vangel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. What do you got, Jake? I got if you, to to take advantage of that money line offer. You want to bet straight up Dolphins Raiders money line. Dolphins coming off a bye. Raiders bad. They've got the, the new coach bump done. Dolphins money line Raiders. Dolphins money line. Got it. Gamble responsibly, folks. Yes. Now the bench. <laughs> the bench uh, were very. Uh, God, um, I think my hangover is starting to catch up with me here, Jake. I was going to say the, the bench were very incredible last night, which is a fact. So maybe I'll just still run with it. Sure. Um, saw guys that we don't normally see. Svi Mihailuk, for example, uh, very productive off the bench. Uh, yeah. Delano Banton as well had a nice stretch. Didn't shoot the ball well, but no. demonstrated an ability to play within the scheme, both offensively and defensively. Uh, and then with his amazing... Theoretical abilities, Jake. Um, you know he was he was um, he was important. I'm going to stop talking now and throw it over the, to you. <laughs> the theoretical version of Delano Banton. I can only imagine the amount of coaches that have just been like, "Oh man, if only we can teach this guy how to develop one reliable way to put the orange ball into the basket, he's going to mm. be the best Crucial player part of the game. Yeah, the best player on our team. There's going to be no one that can stop us." Um, they are yet to figure out a way, including the Celtic staff. But uh, what I love is how everybody's on the same page. Every bench guy that came in was crashing the glass, pushing the pace, like defending as well as they possibly could. Svima Kailuk, 
I haven't seen a lot of you, but I am now aware why people have been saying you're not good at defense because very clear that is not your strong suit. Um, <laughs> like yeah. it's it's I always find it funny. Like he's quite athletic. Like we've seen him like all you know throw almost down that reverse dunk and stuff like that. But the defensive foot speed is not something that he possesses. Um, but Banton to come in have the five rebounds in eight minutes. That tip in he does give you an element as a ball handler that like not a lot of other ball handlers do like just just by being that tall especially if he's going to actually buy into the to the rebounding on on both ends because um, mm-hmm. he can give you an extra possession and he like he's going to make your defense solid just by giving you that defense that rebounding um, and then like so in the previous podcast we were both talking about how um, O'Shea and Lamar we were all talking about that don't want to leave out big dog spoons here uh, but we were all expecting O'Shea and Lamar to play maybe we're going to see some O'Shea or Lamar at the five um, we saw neither, which is very surprising. The fact that Joe was willing to kind of go away from those two guys and go to guys that we haven't really seen at all um, on a night where we were missing two guys to not see either of them was very surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, I guess with Sfee, you could argue that spacing is such an integral part of the approach against a team like the Sixers or any mm. any team with a massive big sure. and, and certain levels of rim protection. I think Sfee... Uh, his shooting threat, the threat of his shooting uh, is very important. Can't say the same for Banton, but, um, you know, he had, he had some good moments. I was, um, he exceeded my expectations while shooting like shit as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just think this was more of a game for for the shooting skills as Fee and, and less so for O'Shea and, and Lamar Stevens, who don't necessarily possess those skills. So, um, we'll see him again, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I just think it's, I wonder if it was, you know, the fact that, they hadn't like actually gotten real minutes. Was Joe willing to, you know, show them that he believes in them and show them that they deserve the chance as well? Or was it like a true tactical, tactical reason for playing those guys? Uh, Cause I, you know, obviously Banton's not giving you anything from a shooting perspective, similar to O'Shea and Lamar, but Speed definitely like he, he made one really nice transition three and his willingness just to get them up is, is super important. Like again, Teams are at least think, thinking about his uh, his shooting ability in a way that they're not thinking about O'Shea's and and the Mars. Yeah. Svee doesn't hesitate, man. He chucks wow. him out. I love it. He, <laughs> He's a gunner. Yes, which and I love that. You know, that's, it takes a special kind of mentality. Like I think you can see how Pritchard struggles with it. Like we want him to be a gunner for the most part, and he's like, I, I, he's not quite. Every time I touch the ball, I'm I'm getting this thing up. Sphi is like, if there's a sliver, it's getting up. I can move the ball if I need to, but if there's if there's a look right here, I know my job, and I'm I'm gonna get him up. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, a couple of things to to wrap up on here. We're sort of nine and two. Obviously, great great start to the year again, Jake. And the the mind wanders back to this time last year. We can't help it, even though I think we've got enough. Uh, data now to you know make a good case for this year genuinely being an improvement on last year both being hot starts what are some comparisons that you've drawn Mm. up from this year compared to last year to help sort of make a delineation between the two yeah I went in and had a a look at the kind of the numbers from the 21 and 5 start last year compared to now we're 9 and 2 obviously smaller sample size but you know because you're, you're looking for like what okay so what went wrong last year you know Again, to reference our um, secret meeting at Surly's Pub in Surrey Hills, there was some confident, there was some confident um, 
words exchanged. That's um, a generous description. (laughs) (laughs) Some confident words were exchanged. And basically from that moment on, we never quite reached that level. And so it's like, okay, should we, should we be like looking for warning signs? Like, you know, is, is there anything that the numbers are going to glean that, you know, should we be prepared for something similar to happen this year? Mm -hmm. So 2022, 21 and five, we had a 9.2 net rating, 119.9 offensive rating, 110.8 110.8 defensive rating, 41.5 three-point attempts at 40%. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. And that's the number <laughs> Okay, right there, is the 40% on threes for a 26-game sample size. That is that, that would be like leading the league by a full percentage point and a half last year if they had sustained that the whole way. We may have seen, should we potentially should have seen that coming. I remember um, the conversations we had at that time. Be like, is this sustainable? Yeah, sure, it's sustainable. Yeah, why, why not? not? <laughs> it was not. It was not sustainable. Uh, a few moments later, it was not sustainable. Twenty twenty three net rating thirteen point four, so about four points higher than twenty twenty two. Offensive rating one twenty on the dot, which is pretty much identical with last year. And the biggest difference: defensive rating one hundred six point six versus one hundred ten point eight. We're actually getting up more three-pointers, getting up 44.2 versus 41.5 last year, but at 36.8%. So we're we're at 11th in the league right now in three-point percentage. And I think we felt it. There's been a bunch of games this year we haven't really shot that well on mm-hmm. like really good looks. And like Hauser was an example yesterday. He, like he ends up going two for eight and he missed just wide open three after wide open three yesterday. He was kind of due to miss a couple. Mm-hmm. But the biggest difference is obviously the defense. And we spoke a little bit about it last last episode when Spoonie brought those numbers here. That's the biggest defense. The biggest difference is the defense. <laughs> it really it, is. It, it really is. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to jump in. Yeah, no, so no, go for it, man. Clearly, clearly the, the defense is the biggest difference. Um, and on that, like I was reading an article that Adam Himmelsbach um, put out on the Globe today. And talking about Drew Holiday and his role and how Joe has empowered him. And like in the article, it says, no coach has ever given him as much of a voice and as much responsibility as Missoula has over the first season's month. And mm-hmm. and Drew being like, yeah, I've never really, you know, I'm just, I'm just out there. I'm telling him what I'm seeing. You know, we're going from man to zone in, in, in one possession, he's really trusting me and empowering me in a way that I have never felt before. Um, and I don't remember hearing, I feel like we heard this a little bit, just that was kind of Marcus on a, on a game to game basis. He was kind of like a defensive captain, but they weren't going to these different defenses, uh, last year, like they are this year. And it kind of feels like they've, like they're making Drew Holiday the defensive captain, and I've got I've got a couple of cli- uh, clips here from Spoonie, and the file is actually named Spoonie D. Um, so, <laughs> so here we go. Um, so the first one here, Pitch- Pritchard picks up um, full court, ninety four feet, and then it flows into a zone, and like they're expecting it to be man, and then Marcus Morris thinks it's going to be an easy pass, but no, they're actually in the zone, which makes. The pass easy for Drew Holiday to steal. And then on this next one, it's like soft court, so, uh, a bit of soft pressure, and then, then back into drop coverage. Mm-hmm. And Al Horford plays it perfectly. Maxi's not awesome at making that pass yet. 
And then now there's this one where it looks like it's like a zone, but then it also looks like it's a box and one. But then it's just kind of like Drew Holiday is playing free safety. Now he's now double teaming Embiid. Now he comes back out to Pat Beverly and he's like, yeah, if you're shooting 13% from three, Pat Bev, uh, be my guest. <laughs> yeah. So interesting the way that, you know, Joe has empowered Drew Holiday. And I really think it speaks to the way that Joe is approaching or his his whole coaching philosophy, like sacrifice, has been the the buzzword coming out of this team. And Drew Holiday taking the least fewest field goal attempts since his rookie year uh, by far, like four few field goal attempts fewer than the last like four seasons. Al Horford willing to come off the bench and finding ways that he can really empower them in a different way by giving Drew Holiday this this responsibility you know probably smart to do anyway because he's the man for the job but sure. giving him this responsibility and like be this collaborative defensive effort between both the coaching staff and the players is is really cool and giving them this like dynamic ability on the court yeah and it's already looking really fluid jake like yeah. the the shuffling of the defenses coming up the court on on, on different possessions it, it's very miami heat like in that sense they've given us and, and many teams so much trouble uh, particularly in the postseason with that style of defense, that shuffling defense. And it's looking so fluid for the Celtics already. I can't help but imagine and salivate over how fluid it's going to look uh, come the playoffs. So um, really good to see. I'm just, you know, as a hoops purist, um, I'm excited to see defense being a major part of the narrative again after we kind of lost it there. We fumbled it for a year there. So I did, I did have it back. I didn't know you thought thought of yourself as a hoops, hoops purist. <laughs> Aren't we all in our own special way? It's, it's a broad, it's a broad spectrum. It's a broad spectrum. But I like post post ups and defense and like old yeah. school foundational parts of the game. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm a, I'm a hoops purist in the way that I like I like the Celtics when they win yeah. more than when, than when they lose. And then, yeah, and that's, the purest, that's the purest the, form, the purest form of wins. That's my favorite type. Now. Let's end on this. It's in-season tournament time, Let's baby. Go. We got the we got the court here. If you're watching on YouTube, it's back. Although we are going to be up in Toronto uh, for yes. a blinder of a red court, uh, I Jesus. believe is what we're to expect up there. Um, Jake, what do you got for us on the in-season tournament? As I continue to to delegate to you and, yeah, please, and be please. lazy, pass the rock, pass the rock. So, we firstly, everybody needs to understand that we really want to win the in-season tournament. Um, desperately, like, we desperately want to win it. One, because winning again. Hoops, hoops purist winning is fun is it a um, must win is it it might actually be a must win Ben <laughs> yes, um, like finally yep. on the same <laughs> page <laughs> yesterday in hindsight was a must win too so you were right on that as well um, so the reason we want to win is because one winning is fun but two there, the, there's going to be whatever teams are good at the moment are going to make it out of the pool stages into the next round and so this is going to be like the Timberwolves the Pacers all the teams that have been good in the first part of the season are going to be into the next rounds or the knockout stages. And they're going to be like the nationally televised games. They're going to be standalone. They're going to form narratives. It's going to be like, they're going to be moments. I actually think that the NBA has done a good job here because it's going to be, they're going to be standalone games, good team on good team. We might end up getting a rematch with the Timberwolves, um, you know, much earlier than we necessarily would otherwise. So that's why we want to care. You know, it's going to be, the finals in Vegas, Celtics versus like the yeah the T Wolves in the finals like no other games on for the day just Celtics T Wolves get to raise a raise a trophy you know it'll 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 mean something at the in the moment um, and now looking at the standings um, mm-hmm. of the in season tournament you'll see right here the Celtics are number one in the standings here with a winning percentage of one thousand undefeated one and zero that seems um, good 
So it's important to note the two tiebreakers. First is head-to-head, which is good for us because the Brooklyn Nets are two and one, surprisingly, in East Group C. That's our group, Group C. Mm -hmm. East Group C, the Brooklyn Nets are two and one. Um, but the reason we're ahead is one, because we have the head-to-head and we have an undefeated winning percentage. But secondly, the point differential. So we kind of sleptwalked through the second half of that um, in-season tournament game. So our point differential is still is plus 14, um, but that is the best point differential on the board um, by a pretty good margin to start. So if we beat the Raptors, we're pretty much guaranteed to go through. Um, we would we'll just need, like, even if we... Um, kind of lose the next two, which we won't. We're going to be in a pretty good spot. So just lock the in-season tournament up. Get out of the pool stages. You don't want to, you know, have to have a must win to get out of the pool stages against the Orlando Magic because we always lose against the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it is nice to see the Chicago Bulls in our pool as well right now because as as tough as they, as they have been for the Celtics to play over the recent years, they are a disaster. They might not even have a couple of their players by the time we play them, um, depending on how the trade market shakes out so mm-hmm. i'm i'm in i'm in on the, the in-season tournament and i'd want a w tomorrow yeah let's just hoist as many trophies as we can hoist the yeah. nba cup is it an actual cup can they can they skull a beer out of it if they after <laughs> after hoisting well, it well you just put it up on the screen does it does it look like you can pour beer into it like yeah, let's the, bring it up the, where the is court? it maybe uh, i don't know maybe it's hard to tell from from 2d you know, <laughs> well, we've got, we've got to win the thing and find out practically. Exactly. Yeah, well, the the line for that Raptors game is, is five and a half, which is uh, a little tighter than I would expect. But I know we've got some some doubtful That's... personnel with Porzingis still questionable, Jalen still questionable, also. Um, yeah. So, but you know, just the the team's humming along. So as long yeah. as they don't uh, lose sight of this sort of newly found and built identity, it's got to be. Yeah. I don't want to say an easy win against the Raptors, no. but an expected win. <laughs> And a must yeah. win. <laughs> yeah. It's a must win. Absolutely. Expected win. I think so. I do think it'll be tighter than the most recent one. Uh, they're going to be out for blood. Joe Mazzulla mm-hmm. called that coach's challenge. Don't forget. This is a revenge yeah, game. Not, that's not right. six days ago. I forgot so, all about that. Yeah. So this is this is a revenge game. This is going to be dirty, bloody, gritty. Um, I, I, just, I hope we just get KP available for this game because he's a real mm-hmm. problem for the Raptors, like they, they really just don't really have anything for him. Pirtle, like just, he's basically just a, a, a worse Embiid and he, who also will struggle with, you know, drop, drop bigs and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So that's who I'm like, obviously I want Jalen to play as well. And Al's probable, but um, with I don't want to over, yeah, I don't want to overextend Al. I don't want, um, you know, we, we took him out of the garage. We went on a little road trip, but we we he's back. We've put protective back cover over shelf. him. Yeah, and we we play the Bucks next week, and he, we can pull him back out for that one. But I'd Dust like to him keep. Off. Yeah, I'd like to keep him um, in mint condition uh, the next week or so. Yeah, preserve that value. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I guess the news about the the availability of some of these guys is going to emerge uh, very soon, probably overnight our time. Yeah. So we'll wake up to either some very bad news or some very good news. Uh, in the meantime, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back early next week. Jake, love your work, mate. Until next time, go Celtic. Celtic.